Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today, Andrew Allegretta joins us. We will talk about the Colorado State win, and we will discuss the matchup ahead with Stanford. Andrew appears on the guest line that is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now we'll go straight ahead to Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins me now. He is the play-by-play voice for Vanderbilt football. Andrew, big win for the Commodores in Fort Collins. What were your impressions of Vanderbilt in that game? Well, first off, really thrilled for a couple of people. Of course, Ken Seals gets his first career victory as a quarterback here at Vanderbilt, and Clark Lee gets his first career victory as a head coach. Uh, So more than anything, I think you see the emotions that comes out of that locker room uh, late on Saturday evening and how much it meant to everyone. Um, there was certainly a stick to to this team, which was really significant. Um, you fall behind 14, nothing, uh, Colorado state leaves the door open for you, misses a couple of field goals, and then you take advantage of it, right? Uh, Ken sorts of, uh, sort of settles down. They find some good reads for him. Uh, they get cam Johnson, very active and involved in that ball game. Um, and then the defense does what it needs to do. I mean, there's so many things in that ball game that despite the slow start, they eventually came around and took care of business, um, that, that it certainly was encouraging. Um, and you know, uh, you just feel good for a group of guys that undoubtedly have worked very hard, um, to get the results. I understand that they kind of want to, at times throw the results out the door and it's about the the process. Uh, but having said that, I think human nature understands that if you can get the result with the process, it helps you buy into the process. Uh, so I think there's, there's a lot to be happy about with that win against Colorado state. Well, it would have been pretty easy to throw in the towel. Confidence could not have been at a high mark going down the stretch of the first half with the loss last week with the awful start. So to me, that said a little something about that team. It wasn't the prettiest win, but under the circumstances, there was some grit there that I think this program needed. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. Again, I think Colorado State um, opened the door for Vanderbilt by missing a couple of field goals. Um, But I think one of the things that we talked about on our broadcast uh, with Norman and Kevin was, you know, a lot of credit goes to the guys for sure to execute what was necessary, but at the same time, a lot of credit goes to coach Clark Lee, Jesse Minter and Joey Lynch and everyone to make the adjustments that were necessary, right? Um, the offense got off to a bit of a slow start. Didn't score. I think until, um, toward the end of that, uh, second quarter. Um, but Joey Lynch and the offense started finding the middle of the field and again, getting Cam Johnson involved in that game and Devin Body involved in that game. And that's, you know, allowed them to continue to challenge the corners with Will Shepard and Chris Pierce. And they did a great job. Uh, and then on the flip side, Trey McBride was, um, you know, a force in the first couple of drives. Um, the coaching staff did a nice job doubling down on the execution points that they needed to and probably making a few tweaks here or there to slow him down. 
and minimize him his impact in that ball game. So there's there's a lot of people that took a nice collective deep breath at the end of the first quarter and made the tweaks and changes and doubled down on what they needed to to get a victory. Andrew, what do you think is different about the offensive line this week, if anything? There have been subs a couple of games. You've got Michael Warden's health is in question. You've got Julian Hernandez, who's been playing some guard, some center off the bench. Any idea of, of where this goes this week, and what do you see them doing maybe to get better? It's a good question. I don't necessarily know. I think, um, well, like you talked about with Michael Warden, of course, the depth chart has already come out. and They've got Julian Hernandez listed as the starting center there. So, you know, um, we'll see the impact. I, I don't want to overspeak in terms of what might be different or what might not be different, right? To, to some extent, it's it's I kind of keep coming back to the phrase doubling down on the execution points or trusting the process or whatever sort of coach phraseology you want to put on it. Um, I, I think there probably has to be a level of of trust in the way that they want to coach up these blocking schemes um, to be as effective as possible. Um, it will be interesting against Stanford because Stanford's Stanford's big now. I mean, their starting defensive tackle is 340 and their starting defensive end isn't really a defensive end. He's really a defensive tackle and he's 310. Uh, so they're not necessarily the most explosive defensive line, uh, but they are uh, very physical. And I think Vanderbilt's going to have to win with uh, its foot, uh, footwork and its technique. And none of that is necessarily new. But um, for some guys that missed last year or for a unit that's trying to gel together, um, drilling down on exactly how the position needs to be played is a week in and week out sort of thing. So coming together this week against a very sizable defensive line for Stanford will be important. One guy who really came to play was Chris Pierce. I, I imagine when you're watching that you're having to tell everybody what's going on live and that looked like a ball it just seemed it was impossible for him to catch and he comes up with it but your mind's going there's no way he got that right what did you make of that catch in his effort in Fort Collins I, you know I thought he certainly had a very very good ball game and the matchup was there for him and he took it and to the credit of the coaching staff they found it and they took it it was kind of funny I talked with Joe Ed Lynch uh, earlier today as we're recording this uh, part of our podcast and you know he his his first observation is the fact that Ken probably could have put that ball in a better place <laughs> which I love I love the coaching element to it all right we get we get so marveled by the athleticism of the catch and the coach goes you know he probably could have put that football a little bit better and he's right uh, but to Chris's uh, credit, spectacular catch, trying to describe it live. It always happens so fast. And, you know, from a play-by-play -play perspective, Chris, um, you don't necessarily, from our vantage point, just based on the height that we had in the stadium, you don't always see the nuances. Very often you're judging off of body language and referees and all of this sort of stuff. And um, I, I certainly had no intention just based on the body language of Chris, the way that he tried to jump up and make that catch, that he would actually make the catch. Um, so there, there's, I'm sure, uh, for those that listened, a very significant element of surprise in my voice uh, as he came down with that football. But it was a special play for sure.
Well, they've struggled in a lot of areas on offense, but one thing they have right now is a pretty good threesome of, of he and, and Cam Johnson and Will Shepard. Will didn't get targeted as much this game after being targeted 19 times last game, but I think that's one thing with an offense struggling that you can take some confidence in is you've got three guys who have made plays and a quarterback who I think his best is to come based on what I saw a year ago. You know, one point that Norman Jordan made on our broadcast a couple of times is, um, yes, the coaching staff gets to know the players throughout the course of fall camp, but there's something different about live game action. And there is something about coaches getting to know what players can do in a game in the first week or two of the season. And I think what you've seen from Joey Lynch and Clark Lee and, I mean, you can go down the line with David Ryan, et cetera, is them getting a really good grasp, at least against Colorado State, about what their guys can do and how to best use them throughout the course of a game. Um, so they're going to have to make sure they get the football out quickly, use the middle of the field, get Cam Johnson active. Uh, when Brezhnehan comes back, get him active. Uh, Devin Body was nice kind of as an inside receiver. Uh, but then you've got those good matchups with Will Shepard being 6'3 and Chris Pierce being 6'4". They found the matchups against Colorado State. It is not a secondary that has excelled over the past 12 months or so for that program. They found the right matchups, and they took advantage of them. Um, whether it was a spectacular catch by Chris Pierce or just flat-out understanding that the secondary lacked some technique and you could get personal uh, personal fouls called against them with with um, with pass interferences. So um, it, it's it's nice to have that that matchup that you can go to. And I think it's nice to have coach Lynch and David Ryan, the offensive staff and et cetera, um, really kind of zoning in through game action on understanding their players. Defensively. I thought they really answered the bell after those first couple of drives. I think they forced punts. I don't know, five or six drives in a row. What did you think was the difference there? Boy, um, I think, they found Trey McBride in the right way and took care of those matchups as well. I think um, Centeno, the starting quarterback for Colorado State, is a fine player, but he's not exceptional. And where there were opportunities to make plays, they made them, specifically Jalen Mahoney, right? Like you can go back and watch that throw by Centeno. And I'm not taking anything away from the play that Mahoney made. It was very um, savvy. He had good awareness. It was a tough physical play, but it was also not where the ball should have been placed. Um, so they took advantage of a couple of mistakes, but I don't, I don't shrug my shoulders at that sort of stuff, right? Like when an opponent makes it a mistake, a good football team takes advantage of it. And Colorado State made some mistakes with missed field goals or bad throws or whatever it was. Um, and they they just flat out took advantage of it. I, I, I just I, I think I probably would go back to minimizing Trey McBride. Um, you know, I think, again, talking with Coach Lee a little bit during the Commodore hour um, back on Monday, they just they just had some mistakes um, early on in that ball game and the coaching staff really cleaned it up. Uh, and by limiting the best player for Colorado State, everything else sort of fell into place. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. 
And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. What do you think they need to do to get a pass rush because that's one thing that has befuddled me a bit Uh, we saw it all in fall camp they did not have issues getting to the passer now again their line has got some pass blocking issues and that explains some of it but I think there's the potential there they have some guys who can get to the passer Uh, what do you think they need to do to to get there and, and start making things happen You know, good question. Um, I think it's one of the things Kevin and I have talked about throughout the course of broadcasts and podcasts. Um, Vanderbilt's the only team in the SEC without a sack. Um, They're one of seven teams in the entire country without a sack so far. Um, And there's a give and there's a take uh, to that particular statistic. Um, Just because you don't get a sack doesn't mean you've not altered the play with a pass rush. Um, And then the other thing that I would say, just in fairness, to the defensive line. Um, Anthony Orgy and Ethan Barr lead this team in tackles, which means the defensive line has done a nice job, generally speaking, of doing what they need to do to take up space at the first level to allow the second level to make the tackle. Um, There's a lot of defenses, in fact, if not all of them, (laughs) that design it to funnel the play to the linebacker to make the play. So part of that is the defensive line. to your point, I don't necessarily know. Um, I think I think one of the things that I remember talking with the coaching staff about um, coming into the season is, yes, yes, they want to be an aggressive defense. And Jesse Minter was part of a Baltimore team last year that led the NFL in blitz percentage. So they want to be aggressive. There is a mind meld between Notre Dame, Clark Lee, Baltimore, Jesse Minter. Having said that, you have to be smart um, with your personnel. And the secondary has done a fine job. Um, But at the same time, I say cautiously that leaving guys on an island constantly is probably not where the secondary is at this moment in time. Um, So that limits your ability to be overly aggressive with the blitz, which then minimizes your ability to get the quote-unquote havoc sacks Uh, and the havoc numbers like tackle for losses and all that sort of stuff. So I think being mindful about the schemes and how they have to play is part of it. This may not be a defensive line um, that leads the SEC in sacks, uh, but but I think your point is very, very well taken, and it's something we've talked about. Um, You don't have to lead the league in sacks, uh, but you have to come up with enough of them to alter the ballgame. You have scouted Stanford to some degree. Of course, the Cardinal come off a big upset of Southern Cal, which got 
the coach fired there, um, had a rough week one against Kansas State. What is your take on Stanford from the research you have done? <laughs> I always enjoy the, the, the term um, scouted, scouted Stanford. <laughs> right. I, I just promoted you, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm officially a coach. And I know deep intricacies of X's and O's. No, I've looked right. at stats and I've watched some highlights and all that kind of stuff. And I've talked to the few folks. Um, research is a perfectly fine term. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because they don't necessarily have any distinguishable stats. They really don't. Um, they made a change at quarterback, which is probably where all of this starts. Um, talking with Scott Reese the play-by-play voice for Stanford. Uh, he notes that David Shaw, because of the complexity of Stanford's uh, offense, is always hesitant to turn things over to a younger quarterback. And that's what they did at the end of the Kansas State game going into USC. And Tanner McKee is highly recruited. Uh, he is a freshman uh, by athletic standards. He is a sophomore by academic standards, and he is a senior biologically because he took a two-year Mormon mission coming out of high school, but very, very well regarded, and he made plays against USC, and I think that changed um, the energy and the vibe around the offense for Stanford. They also broke off sudden change plays, an 87-yard run and a 31-yard pick six. Um and quite frankly, obviously, USC did not play uh, to the best of their ability, one would think, if it leads to a coaching change. Um, physicality is certainly how Stanford is known. Uh, and I think one thing that that Scott Reese noted about the team is for all of the physicality that is brought up about Stanford, they're not necessarily quite as physical as maybe they were from 2010 to 2015. It's not to say that they're not physical because they are, but those teams were so physical and so dominant at the point of attack that it was really difficult for opponents. I think one thing, uh, Chris, that always stands out to me, at least as I've kind of plucked my way through the statistics is Goodness, Stanford's offense is methodical. Holy smokes, 52 and a half plays per game. In 2021, that is minuscule. That's effectively nothing. I think Colorado State was close to 90 plays against South Dakota State. I think Vanderbilt sits probably somewhere in the 70s. So, um, man, they want to grind the game down. So I think one of the things that Coach Lee is talking about throughout the course of the week which will really be significant against Stanford is can the offense score early? Can Vanderbilt get off to a fast start? Can you maintain that lead into the third quarter and have it be significant enough that it impacts the way that Stanford wants to play? So I'm kind of keeping my eye on that particular fact based on solely the fact that Stanford wants to play one way. Can you get them to play another? Well, they're even physical at the quarterback position, I guess. He's six six two twenty five. Yeah, he is um look, I, I think there's hope that he's part of another generation of really good Stanford quarterbacks. Um Andrew Luck would be absolutely too far of a reach at this moment in time for Tanner McKee, but maybe a Kevin Hogan or oh goodness, I don't know. It it's a place that has obviously produced quarterbacks over the years. I'm not saying he's John Elway or that he's Andrew Luck, but they've had good quarterbacks for quite a bit. And I think they see Tanner McKee being that next person up. 
Well, I do wonder, we talked about getting pressure on the passer. One thing that they have done is get hands up and, and, and in throwing lanes. But They've when the guy you're facing goodness. is, yeah. yeah, when you're facing a six six guy, I wonder how much that changes. I mean, that's a fair question, right? Because Santeo was listed at six foot one. Um, I, I certainly am cognizant, as you are, going to practice on how much of a point of emphasis getting your hands up is for those defensive linemen and it paid off against Colorado State it will be more difficult no doubt against a six foot six quarterback well you look at their their front on offense uh they go from left tackle to right tackle 322 310 296 315 330 and they've also got a 285 pound starting tight end uh sometimes they'll go two but uh, I, I think physicality, that's going to be one thing. Vanderbilt's really going to have to up the ante there because I, I don't think that they have faced a team yet with this kind of size. Yeah, probably fair. I mean, you know, I asked at the tail ends of the Commodore hour, uh, Coach Lee, for kind of a generic key to the game. And the first word out of his mouth was physicality. And if if anyone should know the way that Stanford plays, there's plenty of people, but Clark Lee is right there. Uh, Coach Lee is 2-0 and against Stanford as a defensive coordinator. Of course, that was with really, really good Notre Dame teams. 2-1, um, and one, if you include his season as the linebackers coach. But he knows the way that Stanford wants to play. Um, so to your point, the first word out of his mouth was physicality. So, yeah, there, there's going to be plenty of um, plenty of pressure on Tyler Steen and Cole Clemens and Julian Hernandez and Bradley Ashmore um, to be strong at the point of attack, specifically when it comes to the offensive line. But, I mean, that's no different for, um, you know, Langham or Davian Davis or Alex Williams or Elijah McAllister. You can go down the line. The, the point of attack will be a focal point, no doubt, against Stanford. Do you get the sense of where they are vulnerable? I know that in looking at the stat sheet, they have not been good against the run the last couple years, which doesn't really make sense with how big they are. But as you're doing your research, where do you think Vanderbilt might be able to attack them on each side? Well, again, I always am very, very cautious to walk down the X's nose land uh, because my title is director of radio broadcasting and I know statistics. Um, I think just from a purely statistical standpoint, I'm very interested to see how the defense does against Stanford because again, nothing jumps off the page at you. Um, they did not run the ball well against Kansas state. It was sub 100 yards. Um, and they ran it fine against USC, but some of that was covered up by, 187-yard run by number eight, Nathaniel Pete. Um, and then they make the quarterback change, and Tanner McKee has looked good. But because of the way that they play, they don't overwhelm you statistically. Um, I, I, I'm just curious to see if Vanderbilt's defense can continue to minimize explosive plays and keep Stanford's offense relatively in check. And I, and I say that because if you can keep Stanford relatively in check, it's going to make it a game in the fourth quarter, um, which, yeah, it would be great to blow everybody out 49 to nothing. Uh, but, of course, the reality at this point is you want to get the game to the fourth quarter with a chance to win. 
And because of Stanford statistics, the way that they've played, I'm curious to see if the defense can't keep things in check for Vandy and give the offense a chance to win it in the fourth. Well, Vanderbilt's got to be more disciplined, too. Penalties have been a factor the last two weeks, and I don't know if this plays into something that Stanford does well or if they've just been the beneficiary of of some good fortune here. But you look at penalties, through two games, the opponents have committed 18 for 191 yards. I don't know if that's trying to grab and hold a pass rusher. I don't know if that's a a silly execution foul. I I don't know what those mean. But Stanford has certainly benefited – from a lot of those for whatever reason. And that's one thing that Vanderbilt has done to shoot itself in the foot through two games. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Certainly the most notable one was the um, ineligible man downfield on Tyler Steen against ETSU that wiped out the Chris Pierce touchdown. Um, again, just from a purely statistical standpoint, Chris, Vanderbilt ranks 112 in the country in penalties per game. It's two games, but eight versus ETSU, nine versus Colorado State, um, not as impactful against Colorado State as they were against ETSU, but still notable. Um, and if you're going to put a new starting center out there, um, whether it's throughout the course of the ball game, Julian Hernandez or Kiba Wesley, or maybe something from a miracle standpoint happens and Michael Warden plays, um, it, you know, being consistent and not having the pre-snap penalties. Um, and not getting behind the chains against a physical defense, these are all important things. Um, Not to mention that Stanford has a really, really good cornerback, Kelly. He had the pick six against USC. Um, So if you find yourself in second down and 15 or third down and 11 situations, I'm not saying that Chris Pierce or Will Shepard will never beat Kelly. That's not what I'm saying, but... Um, he certainly takes one half of the field and makes it a lot more difficult. So, yeah, it, it, it goes back, I think, to staying ahead of the change and staying on schedule offensively. Andrew, I appreciate your time and your insight today. I wanted to give you a couple of minutes as we close uh, to promote anything with the school uh, that's going on with the game Saturday, to give out your social media accounts, anything like that that fans might want to know. Well, I, I think I would just um, – Look, first off, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, kind of you. Uh, I would, I would say for fans that are coming on out, make sure you check out Fandy Phil. Um, I know that they've worked really, really hard at upgrading the fan experience, uh, having more entertainment options, um, having more uh, culinary options. Uh, if it's going to be the academic bowl, I need to use academic words like culinary options inside Vanderbilt Stadium. Um, so. Certainly, if fans are coming out, encourage you to check out all of that stuff. Um, you know, for the people that enjoy um, just <laughs> massive consumption of Vanderbilt podcasts, um, really good conversation that we had with Joey Lynch. Uh, for folks that don't know his backgrounds, um, his father, Bill Lynch, was the head coach at Ball State for a number of seasons and for a handful of seasons, the head coach at Indiana. So that makes you know, the two guys calling plays on each side of the ball, Jesse Minter with his dad, Rick Minter, and Joey Lynch with his father, Bill Lynch, um, really mentored by their father. So as you kind of get to know this coaching staff, uh, there's a fun conversation. You can find that on the Anchor, Apple, Spotify, same ways that obviously you find this podcast. So um, those would be the two things right there, Chris. Well, we support massive consumption of podcasts. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) There's always room for another. Hey, Andrew, thank (laughs) you for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. 
Chris, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.